Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 46. We actually are going to be recording effectively two episodes in our session. You'll see them as number 46 and 47 on your Spotify, Google, if you click on the just the web pages um, to listen. However you listen, that's how it'll be listed. We're going to start first with the quarterback situation. We do now know who our starter is. That will be Tyler Shuck. We're going to talk about what that means for the team, what it means for the potential floor and ceiling, and touch on a little bit on what probably decided that QB battle. The bulk of this first episode is going to be about the defense, though. We broke down the offense in quite detail. We're going to touch on the QB situation just because it just was announced the other day, but we're going to focus primarily on the defense. Uh, Once we transition to our second episode that we're recording this session, you guys are going to get a breakdown of NC State and Houston. Um, If we haven't made clear, frankly, it's too depressing to talk about Murray State because I hate pretending that these FCS schools have players. Um, Tech should win that game by 45, and if they don't, I'll be horribly horribly upset. So I'm not going to bother talking about it. But those are the two episodes on our recording agenda. So like I said, though, this first episode you're listening to will be the quarterback battle on defense. The next one that you'll see will be on NC State in Houston, which will leave us another week to start talking about Big 12 play, uh, which will be a little bit more scramble shot. But that's how it breaks with our schedules. Like I said, Tyler Shuck has been named the starting quarterback. He's beaten out Donovan Smith and Baron Morton. An interesting QB battle, uh, uh, almost a battle of system identity. You have Baron Morton, Donovan Smith, who we don't necessarily have. Baron Morton, by all accounts, is a great arm. Donovan Smith, we kind of saw, has a, a pretty serviceable arm. But the biggest difference between them and Tyler Shuck at the moment has been the concept of mobility. Um, you know, Baron Morton is a quick kid. He's pretty fast, pretty elusive. Donovan Smith is big as hell, and running a 4-640 means that he is both a bruising runner at, you know, 245, 6'5", or whatever he's listed at now, 6'2". You know, fast is a, a moving house, and as also very elusive in his own right. So those guys kind of representative uh, uh, the mobile quarterback identity. Whereas Tyler Shuck, he is a traditional kind of pocket passer. I don't want to diminish his athleticism entirely. We've seen him make plays on the ground. I think he's quicker than people give credit for. But I would say he's probably a bit more like how Pat Mahomes was quick. You know, not not conventionally fast but, you know, got a little bit of athleticism to move. Now, Mahomes is a shifty man in his own right, and Shuck is not. Shuck definitely falls more into the pocket passer side of that. But he's not like Tom Brady standing back there who can't move at all, or Peyton Manning who couldn't move at all. Um, he's definitely got some elusiveness. But for most people, this signals pretty clearly we're airing it out. We're offensive line be damned, we're airing it out. And, Jack, I just want to get your feedback. When, as How are you first reacting to the news? Uh, how does this, you know, alleviate concerns you've had? Or what kind of, you know, reaction did you have overall to this, considering that, you know, Shuck experience seemed to win out here? Uh, well, it was kind of what we thought was going to happen the whole time, wasn't it? I mean, uh, unless we heard anything really just way out of left field coming out of camp, we almost assumed that Tyler Shuck would be the starter. And uh, now that we're here, we can go move forward and, you know, just get going on the season. I I feel like we're ready to play a game this weekend, even though we're, you know, 10 days out or however many days out from now. But uh, it's just kind of a reaffirmation of, the type of player we got in the transfer portal a couple years ago, you know, uh, we all heard about how, why he was one of the top recruits, 
uh, going to Oregon out of high school in Arizona, and we hear about him leading Oregon to a Pac-12 championship berth, uh, Fiesta Bowl. Granted, he had a pretty bad Fiesta Bowl against Iowa State, but uh, I was watching an interview with Joey McGuire today, and he said both Barron and Donovan took the news pretty well. Uh, Donovan Smith will still be a team captain, and both of those guys saw last year that they're one snap away from being inserted into a game. Uh, speaking of Pat Mahomes, like you said, Pat Mahomes was the last quarterback to start the season opener and play all 12 games. So it's been quite a while for us Tech fans to have a guy that started game one end up starting all 12 games. I don't hope anything happens to Tyler Shuck by any means, and I'm hoping that this is the first year since Pat Mahomes that our starter in game one will start all 12 games. Um, Tech has just had a really, just quite honestly, just a really shitty run uh, of when it comes to luck and starters and injuries and stuff. Uh, it's been really nice because we've had serviceable backups uh, over these past few years, Henry Columbia was great for as a backup and and such. But I also think that this year is probably the most stacked quarterback room Tech has had probably since the days where we had, uh, I guess if you want to go back, uh, Davis Webb, Baker Mayfield, and Pat Mahomes all at the same time, which all three are in the NFL right now. So... I think it's it speaks to the depth at the position that all three guys made it this long and that it really was a competition for the most part. Uh, and you, you can always hear head coaches saying, oh, it was a competition, but really in the back of their mind, they really knew who they were going to start the whole time. I think really and truly, I really do believe that this was a full competition. Um, Tyler just used his experience and uh, went out there and took it. So... I'm excited. I'm also excited because of the fact that while Donovan and Barron might not play as much, they're going to have packages where they do come in and play. But also, when they do, they're going to get experience for themselves because Tyler Shuck's gone after this year. He's he's used up his eligibility. So uh, next year, this, this is just kind of setting the table for next year. And both of those guys have a possibility of being the guy next year so while neither of them are really the guy right now and Tyler Shuck's really not looking over his shoulder I feel like this sets the table for a very nice QB battle which mobility and arm strength will be uh, key to win next season looking for Donovan Smith to kind of uh, you know fine-tune his accuracy and consistency and you know Baron Morton just getting as many snaps as he can uh, because he really shined in the spring game he was my most impressive player of the entire spring game uh, that I saw so I'm really I'm really glad that it's out of the way I'm really glad that our boosters don't have any say in who the starter is because we've seen how that's worked out and um I'm just really excited uh, to see what this offense could do with Tyler Shuck as the starter. Yeah, I think you mentioned something I do want to want to talk about a bit, which is this idea of, um, you know, how do you keep guys like Donovan Smith and Baron Morton engaged, right? Like, that's the biggest problem with any situation like this, is when you have a quarterback room in which all three guys could arguably start at the Division One level. Um, maybe maybe Donovan Smith and Baron Morton, based on lack of experience and, and some question marks about them, might not be guaranteed Power 5 starters. Morton, though, has obviously that, that's, um, that ceiling, and Donovan did win games here, so maybe he could, but they're... Both those guys have starter caliber juice in them. Um, and what the problem is, is how do you keep them engaged? And Coach McGuire has kind of made clear, we're not going to see any two-quarterback system. You know, there's already been mention about what if we use Donovan Smith a bit at receiver. We know we're going to have packages for him, but we're not going to do a rotating quarterback, which is great. I'm a firm believer in the idea, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. 
Um, so I'm glad Tyler Shuck differentiated himself to the degree that not only were they comfortable naming a starter, but they named them well in advance of game one. They didn't feel the need to play any gamesmanship with this. There was no lingering questions. Shuck won the job and moved on. Um, but that you mentioned this. How do you keep him engaged? It's the idea that if Tyler Shuck has a good year, he's gone, right? His NF, he has a ton of eligibility left. I think he still has two years. Um, this one and one more at the minimum, maybe even a third. He can play for quite a while longer due to injuries, waivers, COVID, whole nonsense. But the reality of the situation is, is he's also, his eligibility clocks up for the NFL. He can go after the season. I said it last year. If he's as good as advertised, he will not be in Lubbock for more than a year. He will not be here if he has a great year. Now, there are questions about the offensive line that's going to factor into this. There's questions on the receiving core that are going to factor into this. But if he goes out and Tech is as good offensively as we all hope, Chuck will be gone. And that means this battle starts back up next year. And I don't know who has the advantage in Donovan Smith or Baron Morton. People love the idea of Morton being that supremely talented kid out of high school. But at the same time, Donovan Smith has won football games here, and he ended a long losing streak to Iowa State state largely on the back of his own effort and a great kick from Garibay. So, you know, there, there is a lot for those two to play for next year. I think you're not going to have an issue of transferring because of that. Now, if Shuck's season starts to flounder a bit, could you see a, 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 the chain getting pulled? Yeah. Just because if the issue really is that the offensive line can't block and we're going to get some really important news on the 31st about the, uh, the, the transfer from Western Kentucky, which may play a big part in what happens this year with that line. But uh, if they can't keep them upright, you could see Kitley pull the trigger to go to a more mobile quarterback. But the thing I want to clarify for everybody is just, we're all worried about the offensive line. When you pick a guy like Shuck, you're accepting that, his biggest problems are the lack of decisiveness with reads, and he's not as mobile. Um, so you have to hope that that means that they feel okay with the offensive line enough to stick him out there and hope that he can stay upright. I, I think if he if Tech can keep him upright, if he's improved on his reads, you're going to score a lot of points. Um, if the offensive line is just putrid, you're probably going to have to go to one of the other two guys out of necessity and change the offense. We won't really find this out until NC State and Houston. Those are great defensive units that are going to test us mightily, and that's when we'll get a sense for what actually is going to happen here. Um, we could spend a lot more time talking quarterback, but we spent a lot of time in the last episode doing it. So I want to transition us now to the defense. And we're going to start with the position group that I think most people surprisingly kind of have the highest expectation for. And while most, you may think I'm thinking defensive line, I'm actually thinking in the secondary, you know, Jack, when we're looking at the secondary, you're looking at a group with a lot of returning talent. Thanks to super senior status caused by COVID and all that jazz. You have a lot of guys who have played a lot of football. Um, you've got a lot of guys with a lot of potential who showed some potential at other spots. Guys like Reggie Pearson, who are looking to revitalize, um, um, you know, there's just a lot of, for the first time in a while, excitement about this unit. And what I want to go to first with this is, is the hype valid for these guys? You know, when you look at Marquise Waters, when you look at uh, Taylor Demonson, Reggie Pearson, Rashad Williams, is the hype that, that that's around this unit warranted or are Tech fans in for a bit of a disappointment? I think it's warranted, and pretty much the reason being is that these guys have, as you mentioned, just a ton of experience. Reggie Pearson, you know, he had a couple of years at Wisconsin. Rayshad Williams came in from UCLA. Uh, you know, Marquise Waters came from Duke. You uh, mentioned Adrian Fry. Adrian Fry's been here forever. And you get some other guys this year transferring in, uh, Blank Blankenbaker from uh, Wyoming, Tyler Owens from Texas, uh, in the D backs. You know you have uh, Taylor Demerson. All these guys that are transferring in have experience, and like in the case of Owens, they have Power Five experience. Uh, Blankenbaker not so much, but. From what, everything that I've seen, he's been turning some heads in practice, which is great news. Um, a lot of these, a lot of this, these guys in the defensive back uh, area are really are really very talented. Um, and even if you want to go into the linebacker, we'll get into the linebackers. But uh, you know, if you have 
your at your starters going in your depth chart going into the season, all of your defensive backs are seniors, which I don't know if that has ever happened at Tech, and if it has, it's been a while since it has happened. Uh, you know, Marquise Waters is a super senior. Um, Reggie Pearson is in his first senior, but if you know if he feels like coming back after this year, I'm assuming he can. Um, Taylor Demerson is a senior. You know, Rayshad Williams, Malik Dunlap, uh, all these guys are. Uh, you know, they're old. They have, they know what it's like to play at the Power 5 level. Uh, I'm interested to see how Malik Dunlap plays because he'll see the field. I'm interested to see how he uh, plays against his old team in NC State in uh, Week 3. And we'll get to that. But I'm really hyped about this defensive back standpoint. Um, I think Tim DeRuiter coming in as the DC really kind of breathe some fresh air into this group. Um, we were we were exposed at times last year, uh, and, and and fairly badly we were exposed at times. Um, and so it's really nice to kind of get a change of pace, so to speak. And I really think that if these guys can stay healthy, uh, you know, Muddy Waters injury last year was just kind of a freak accident i mean i don't know if i've ever heard of a torn pectoral uh, other than in like bodybuilding or something but uh i think if these guys stay healthy uh, it, it can be a really good group and also help all the guys like uh kobe minor and all those guys they can really pick up on some uh, important things to learn uh, for when it's their time, and I, I think Kobe. In the case of Kobe Minor, I think his time is sooner rather than later. I my take on this unit's pretty similar, and I just think that like I don't know if they're going to be world class, right? Like I'm not suddenly predicting Tech's going to just be this lockdown secondary. Well, there's a lot of hype and a lot of experience and a lot of talent in this unit. You have to remember they weren't good last year with a lot of these guys in place already. And I'm a big believer that in even one offseason, you could take a huge step forward. But for people who are predicting that this is going to be, you know, suddenly this just top 20 secondary, I'm not seeing that happening yet. I need to see that on the field before I start getting that hyped. Do I think this secondary will be the best Tech's had since uh, Mike Leach has left the program? Yes. Do I think that this will be better than most Tech secondaries of the last 20, 30 years? Yes. Um, does that mean necessarily that, you know, like I said, that they're top 20? I don't think so. I think you could have a top 40, top 30 secondary and have a damn good year. Because here's my thing is Tech has such a low bar here for them to meet for expectations. If I see a secondary where your where your top corners aren't just getting blown past, I'll be super excited. Right? Like I'll I'll be absolutely floored if when your secondary's out there on the field and or when your defense out there in the field and your secondary is in an obvious pass situation, if you don't have to find that one receiver on the field and know, oh, he's going to be open, I'll feel good. Like, you guys remember the Houston Baptist game a few years ago. It didn't matter what Tech did defensively. They were all wide open. You know, Kitley's system didn't even have to do anything, to be honest with you. We couldn't cover anybody. As long as that's not the standard and we see more of some of the what happened last year where they started to kind of look like a defense with a pulse on occasion, um, and we get now the next step forward from bad to, you know, okay to good, I'm going to be super floored. Do, do I want to undersell this unit? Not No, I, I don't want to, you know, poo-poo on people who are thinking that this is the second coming of some of those great tech secondaries of years lost uh, when tech used to have more of a defensive identity. But I need to see it from these guys. There's potential. And that's the exciting part is while I may sound like a little bit of a naysayer here, we're having to have this conversation because there's a lot of potential in this unit. We don't have this conversation last year, right? Like we don't have this conversation a few years ago. We are having it now because finally it looks like tech has not just starters that are D5, D1 power five level, but backups who are D1 power five level. You know, we're finally deep enough at, at this group to not feel like even one injury will break their backs. We're finally now our health is going to play an important role in this. It will for everyone. Tech is in Alabama. We don't go three rounds deep with four stars, but 
as long as they stay relatively healthy, this could be the best unit of the last 10, 15 years. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be a shutdown unit, but it'll be a hell of a start and changing the mindset. I think it was Reggie Pearson who talked about how Wisconsin had all of this, you know, history of winning and this idea of like, uh, of we can't lose because we're Wisconsin, right? Like we, we don't, we don't accept that as a possibility. We don't accept the idea of being bad defensively as a possibility. And he said, when he got to tech, that just wasn't there. You know, it wasn't there at all. They, they, they seemed to lackadaisical, almost defeatist. And he mentioned that now under coach DeRuiter that that seems that that's changed that they have pride in what they're doing that they feel like they can win that they can compete that there's nobody they can't take on the culture's changing on this defense and it starts with this group if this team goes out here this year and this group can lead the charge um one I think you'll have a pretty good season and a big now I'll, I'll preface this. I don't buy that the Big 12's returning to form offensively. You know, there's no guarantee that Adrian Martinez is going to work out. There's no guarantee Dylan Gabriel is going to work out. You guys all know how I feel about Max Duggan. You guys all know how Jack feels about Spencer Sanders. Um, there's no guarantees that uh, 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 JT Daniels necessarily excels at West Virginia, though I think he's probably the most confident of the bunch to do it. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the quarterback position, but if the Big 12 is going to suddenly start becoming the pass-happy offense that it used to be five-ish, six-ish years ago when the scores just resembled basketball games because nobody could stop these offenses, the secondary has to to lead the charge. They have to. Um, that That's my two cents on them. I, I'm, I'm excited for this unit. I don't want to get too hyped for them. You know, guys I would look out for, definitely look out for Reggie Pearson. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, definitely look out for guys like Malik Dunlap to play an important role. Um, Adrian Fry, who is getting back to his cornerback ways. Um, he has not been great since he explo- kind of exploded onto the scene. Look for him to kind of play with a chip on his shoulder. Um, don't undersell the importance of a guy like Marquise Waters at the star. Um, he's definitely going to have to really work on run support. I think we're going to talk about the linebackers later, but his role, he's going to have to hit hard. He's going to have to make plays, uh, you know, but here's the thing. You got a lot of size in these guys. I mean, your starter, six foot, six, one, five, 11, five, 11, six, three. I mean, the, the, you have legitimate talent and size in this group for the first time. And not just, you know, exact like McPherson being a standout. You, you've got starters who can play and that's exciting. Um, like I said, I don't want to promote, and get everybody excited about a top 20 defensive unit with the world's greatest big 12 secondary, but a step forward to just being good would be world changing. It could really shape how the McGuire error goes. If these guys pan out, we're going to go now to the next unit that most people are really excited about because we're going to end our kind of position breakdown discussion with one. We're almost worried about being the linebackers. So we're going to go to the defensive line next Jack, obviously Tyree Wilson is drawing a lot of attention. I've even seen articles that have projected him into the first overall pick conversation. You know, knock on wood, he stays healthy and that everything goes according to plan. He has a chance here. But let's talk about this unit as a whole. You got some dudes on this line and a lot of guys not necessarily being talked about a bit, but you got some dudes. Let's highlight this. What's kind of your thought for the potential of this group? And, you know, are we right to think that pass rush is going to be back after last season when it was basically non-existent outside Wilson? I think so. Uh, I I think that Tyree Wilson absolutely has the possibility of becoming uh, a first round pick. I don't know if he I would throw him into the uh, number one overall pick because that's that's a that's a bit of a. possibly a bit of a stretch. Um, But I really do think that he could definitely cement himself in the first round. Uh, Tech defense, ironically, from where this team has been and what the identity has been for so long at Texas Tech, I think the last three first-round picks that we've had have been on the defensive side, Uh, which which is just wild to think about. But... I really think uh, I really think that this D line is gonna be a bre- again. I've I've used it again uh, quite a bit so far, but a breath of fresh air. I think that when you think of the line, you you just think of your guys, Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford. Um, I can't think of two guys that I would rather have representing the university in any capacity. 
much less being on the starting offensive line or sorry, defensive line. I really think that they are two of the best in the conference and possibly two of the best in the country. Uh, Jalen Hutchins is coming in at six foot three ten. Bradford's coming in at six one three oh three. Both of these guys have been starters for a long time on this defensive line, and so I think that they are still there in the middle, causing trouble. Uh, to back them both up, Philip Bleedy will be there. He's been at Tech for forever. I do want to talk about a couple of guys that transferred in on the D-line in Vidal Scott and Miles Cole. Uh, Miles Cole came in from Louisiana Monroe, I think, and Vidal Scott came from Arkansas State. Those two guys are both seniors. Uh, Vidal Scott's a super senior. But Miles Cole is a guy that will be up there on that line also, and he has a very similar build to Tyree Wilson. Uh you know, Tyree Wilson's at 6'6", 270, and Miles Cole is 6'6", 285. So it's a very similar build, and I really think that Miles Cole will, you'll hear his name called quite a bit if he gets on the field. Um, I think that his size, if, I think he would be a perfect person to play opposite of Tyree Wilson, just because if you, if you think about it, if you have Hutchings, and Tony Bradford in the middle, and then you have Tyree Wilson on one side and a guy that looks exactly like Tyree Wilson on the other side. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I feel like that would be just a match made in heaven and something that you would want up front with this group. I, I really do like the depth, and the fact is that... When it comes to game one or and you know all the non-conference stuff, if we're trotting those four guys out there, you're trotting out four seniors. So again, we're talking about this experience that all of these guys have. If you're talking about a full defensive back, the DB situation, having all those seniors, well, if you start those four guys, those are those four are all seniors too. So now we're talking about experience and like we mentioned, we'll get to the linebackers in a second, but I really truly think that if you have four guys up front that are all seniors and have that experience, granted Cole and Scott don't have really the power five, but they're big bodies. You know, Scott's Scott himself is six one two eighty five. That's a big, that's a big dude. So you have these guys up front that have experience in college, maybe not the power five, but they have it in college, and so they know they know what the deal is. And even if you're at a G5 level school, they've played Power Five schools, so they know how it goes, and they know what type of uh, game to expect. But again, like I said, we'll get to the linebackers in a second. But I really truly think that if you are starting all these seniors, that it definitely gives you somewhat of a peace of mind when it comes to uh, the defensive unit as a whole. This unit is, well, I think that the <clears throat> secondary is going sh- to shape the culture under McGuire. Is Tech going to be known as a defensive-minded team, you know, go along with exciting offense or not? Um, this unit is the best uh, on campus, overall, top to bottom. I mean, they 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 look like the kind of unit you'd expect to see from top flight defensive lines around the country. I mean, we're going to play NC State and Houston, who both have elite pass rushes of their own. Um, we're going to play teams like Baylor and Oklahoma State, who have kind of built an identity for this in recent years. But the thing I want everybody to think about is just when was the last time when you could name multiple people in that defensive line and think those guys are going to each come away with multiple sacks and have a guy who's legitimately in the conversation to be a first-round draft pick? You know, I, I can't think of the last time Tech had a serious guy on the defensive line in that conversation. If I, I honest to God, can't. Um, I mean, it's been years since that happened that we had a even, hell, I even had a defensive lineman talked about in the top three rounds and getting preseason attention hype. 
Now, you know, you talked about some of the guys that just watch out for really important piece of this, a really underrated important piece of this is what Jalen Hutchins does. Um, you know, so much of the attention is going to be on the edge and the pass rush on the edge, but don't underestimate this guy. He's made his presence known in big 12 football and at Texas tech with a defense that completely screwed him. I liked Keith Patterson. I thought he was a better defensive coordinator than, you know, the clown car of coordinators Kingsbury's, you know, strolled out with, but until Mac uh, gives at the end, who was a bit better, but I think Patterson built on that. Tim DeRuiter is a better defensive coordinator than Keith Patterson. And the, the, my biggest complaint with Keith Patterson was the complete lack of interest in helping his defensive line generate pass rush. Jalen Hutchins is a great nose tackle. He's big, he's strong, but way too often last year, he was told you're going to run head up into the center. Who's usually got a guard helping you. And that's it. We're not going to blitz. We're not stunting. We're not twisting all the things that would help a, a really dominant nose tackle and defensive tackle get movement. We didn't do it. He's low to the ground. He's a big body. We, if we had given him any assistance, I think he could have really made a mess for things in the middle. And now he's got guys on the outside. He's got a defensive coordinator. Who's going to stunt. Who's going to twist. Who's going to bring pressure. Who's not going to be so freaking passive. He's a guy that I look as an impact player and being somebody that could really be the difference. Because the other part of this is the middle of that defensive line is going to be critical. We're going to play a lot of three down this year. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the linebackers. You need a nose tackle who's gum, gumming up the works to help these linebackers out. Because those guys are they're the biggest question mark. We all know that. We all know that the linebacker group is the weakest on the defense right now. It's going to be on, you know, guys like Jalen Hutchins, going to be on guys like Tony Bradford who are lining up D tackle and nose to really to really make up their their presence felt. You know, guys like Bleedy is going to have to help. Guys, you mentioned Miles Cole. He's actually interesting enough listed in two part of the D on the D line depth chart. Um, he's listed both as a D end and as a D tackle. Um, which shows you he's very versatile. You know, he's he's the kind of guy that we're we're kind of counting on to 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 fill in, um, um, kind of a, a jack of all trades role, be a depth guy in a couple spots. Um, you know, you you we're gonna go pretty deep in this in this position group. I think you're gonna rotate guys if you want to be good at pass rush. You need depth, and I think we talked about this with the secondary. Tech has depth for the first time in years. Um, there is uncertainty. Some of these guys are lower level guys who transferred up. Some of them are looking to, you know, kind of make a name for themselves who haven't done so yet. Um, Pierre on the other end is a guy that I think a lot of attention is going to be on. How can he support what Tyree Wilson's doing? And then obviously there's a ton of pressure on Tyree Wilson to live up to the hype. Now I've seen him. He's big as shit and I have no fears. He's going to dominate, but who's going to help him? And guys, I look at Tony brand for Jalen Hudson's both being in the middle. They're going to be a big part of that. Um, I want to ask a follow-up question here on the defensive line, because I think it's an interesting one to ask. Where does this group rank at the end of the season in terms of total sacks in the Big 12? Where, where do they fall in that, in that, on that chart? I mean, out of 10, I'd, I wouldn't venture. I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying in the top half. Uh, when I think of defense in the Big 12... Uh, honestly, I think of Oklahoma State. Well, Oklahoma State's DC just got poached by Ohio State. So you're you're. No, I'm not saying that the person they have now isn't as good. I'm just saying that they're possibly not going to be as potent as they were before. The other team that you think of, really, as of late in the Big Twelve, is Baylor. Well, I think Baylor lost its best players uh they were either seniors or they got drafted or both so i truly think that while those teams will be in the upper half of the big 12 again on defense i don't see why uh, this unit can't be in the top half possibly in the top three of uh stats overall when it comes to team sacks I think that, that that's fair. You know, I, I, I really I really believe that last year's unit was hurt as much by the defensive play calling as anything, as any I've ever seen. And I think now that you have talent, depth, and a defensive coordinator willing to use it, top three, Big 12's got a lot of good defensive lines, is achievable. Top five, I would be willing to guarantee. I'd be willing to give that you 
guarantee that you are a top five in total sacks minimum. I think you could be as high as number two. Hell, I think you could take the crown. If the secondary really does stand up and allows Tim DeRuiter to really bring pressure, and if the linebacking core doesn't need, you know, be babied a bit with some more conservative calls, I think that you could you could be the best overall pass rushing unit. You've got the depth, you've got the top end talent, you've got the pieces in place. It's what what do the linebackers do? What do the secondaries do? That's going to take you from, you know, four or five up to two three, two, or one. Um, and that's that's bringing us to the next conversation. It's the one that I, I think we're all looking forward to the least to have this season. And that's to talk about the linebackers. Um, I'm not pretending that this group isn't full of holes. You know, Merriweather is probably the only commodity even most Tech fans are familiar with. Um, he's played a decent amount of football. You know, he's played a, a good amount for Tech. He's going to be your senior leader. This group's been hit by injuries. Um, hit, you're, you're probably going to be paired up with Jacob Rodriguez in the middle linebacker spot. Um, weak side's looking like it's going to be Dimitri Moore. Um, Eldridge is backing up on that side. Eldridge, by the way, is one of the guys who has some experience. Uh, Merriweather and Eldridge being really the only guys Tech fans have seen before. But it's it. You lost Colin Schooler, who was, and people can fight me on this all they want. He was maybe arguably the best college linebacker of all time. If you don't believe me, look at who leads, who led total tackles in in, in the FBS while he was on campus. I mean, the dude was a phenomenal college linebacker. I get it. He wasn't the most talented. I get it. He didn't have a big future in the NFL. But the dude produced at as high of a level in college as we've ever seen. And he played for some bad teams and did that. He was from Arizona, which was not good, and Tech, whose defenses were not good. And he still produced. You also lost Rico Jeffers, who was the heart and soul of like you know the communication for that defense. He was an extremely high IQ guy, extremely talented, paired very nicely with Schooler, was a very instinctual player, and they really they anchored this defense. This is the first year in like three or four years where our biggest question marks are on the linebacker core. People haven't noticed this, but Tech has kind of turned into linebacker U. Like in, in terms of the Big 12, you've sent a lot of guys to the NFL. You bet a lot of guys leading the country in these in tackles and stats from the linebacker group, buried by the fact the secondaries have been so piss poor. Now this year, it looks like the secondary might take a step forward and the linebackers not looking so strong. But Jack, what what's your, what, let's look to optimism first. What is your reason to be optimistic about this group? You know, how can they really prove everybody wrong and shake things up? Who are you looking to, to kind of lead this unit to the promised land? I think you already said it. Krishan Merriweather is going to be the, it's unfortunate, but he's going to have to be the Colin Schooler and the Rico Jeffers of this group, a la last year. He's going to have to, lead this linebacker core in tackles, but he's also going to have to be the heart and soul of the communication and uh, things like that with this defense. I like, we mentioned earlier that Pierre is going to be kind of the, kind of the opposite end from Tyree Wilson, but I also like Pierre to kind of slide back in the linebacker core, which is what he originally transferred in from Florida as was a linebacker. Um, I really do think that, I mean, Eldridge will be a good, like, I've everyone other than, I mean, Kosai Eldridge has been at Tech for a long time. He, I mean, he's a senior in terms of, uh, in terms of eligibility, but he, I think he'll have a, a big year. I think uh, Dimitri Moore We'll have a big, you know, he's a transfer in, and uh, he's from Cedar Hill, so he's familiar with McGuire. Uh, McGuire probably wasn't his coach, but uh, he he's familiar with him. He knows him. It's, they got the Cedar Hill connection and everything. Um, I've heard lots of stuff. Um, Bryce Ramirez has been has been pretty good in fall camp, also. Uh, and like I said, a lot of these guys are on the two deep or three deep at linebacker and those end positions. So this makes me think that a lot of this is very fluent or fluid on the situation at hand. Uh, are we rushing three? Are we rushing four? Are we rushing five? You, you know, it, it just kind of 
it all depends on the situation on the field and that means it depends on that in case uh determines who's on the field so what i'm trying to say is this linebacking core has a lot of holes it does i I, we're gonna be honest here we've always been brutally honest and this linebacker group does have a lot of holes they're uh they're very untested other than Merriweather. So, and possibly Eldridge. So, this is definitely going to be a huge question mark. The biggest, by far, I think, on this entire team. Uh, yeah, we've talked about the O-line and their health, and if they can get healthy, can they stay healthy? This linebacking core is going to have holes regardless if they stay healthy or not. Uh, so I think it's going to be a huge question mark with this defense. And that's, that's where I come back full circle to what I was talking about earlier. Starting those four on the front and having a full secondary of seniors to kind of keep this unit grounded and to lend their experience to situations for these younger guys. I truly think that no matter who's on the field, that this linebacking core might struggle at times. But that's when you have to look at Merriweather and say, we need you to be Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler. I know that's a huge ask, and it might be an impossible ask. But right now, for this linebacking core, in my mind, to have a lot of success, that's what you're going to have to have out of Christian Merriweather this season. And I'm talking about a season that when you combine Colin Schooler's stats with Rico Jeffers' leadership and uh, communication skills and mentality. And like I said, I, I'm not lost on the fact that that is a huge ask. That's probably a way bigger ask than was ever communicated to Merriweather before he ever stepped foot on Tech's campus. But... Facts are facts, and the situation is what it is, and that's what you're going to have to have out of him this season in order for this linebacking core to have some success. Yeah, like Jack said, we've always been really honest on this podcast, and we've also always been massive homers. So I want to be clear here. I don't think that Tech's linebacking core is going to be as bad as some people think. Um, I think Merriweather has been overshadowed by the linebackers he's played behind. I think he's always been a good linebacker. Um, Dimitri Moore is looking to return some to his form. If those two guys can do it, if those two guys stay healthy and they get back to where they can be, you're going to be fine. And here's the other part about this. Supporting your linebacking group is a harder hitting secondary than you've had years past. Um, you know, you've got guys like Taylor Demerson, Marquise Waters, Reggie Pearson. You know, these are guys coming from depth to help fill in. And since I think the secondary is going to take a step forward, they don't need as much help as they have in years past. You know, in years past, you were asking linebackers to really try to fill in some gaps on what this and what the secondary was doing. And, you know, with a more effective pass rush, with a more aggressive pass rush, and you can and a secondary that doesn't need to be babied as much, you can ask these guys more to pin back their ears and just go play football, to think less, attack more. And that's going to be a huge help. So, but I, I think, you know, being a homer, I want to say that this unit's going to be fine, but being honest about it, this is the unit that we have to watch. If the season's going to go off the rails for the defense, it's almost certainly going to be this unit that you see it happen at. Health is going to be critical. Um, how fast do the young guys grow up? How, how, how much responsibility can Merriweather shoulder? Can Dimitri Moore return to form? Uh, I, I, I can, can the secondary support, do the safeties do a good job and run fit? You know, what bailed out a lot of techs kind of poor run fits in kind of the past was you had linebackers who were almost always in the right place at the right time to make a play. Now you need your safeties. You need your safeties to really step up and step into holes and, and make plays for themselves. Um, and you need, you need to recognize that there are really good running backs in this big 12 group. And these linebackers have a tall task in front of them. B. John Robinson's going to be coming out of Deuce Vaughn's going to be coming out of, them. um, um, you know, that th- there's just so many good running attacks in the big 12 that 
you're going to need these guys to do a lot. And a three-down lineman system, any three-down lineman system demands that the linebackers do more. You know, it doesn't matter if we're walking down a fourth guy or not. Any three-man base defense asks the linebackers to make a tremendous amount of plays and tremendous amount of reads. And while I think that there's reasons for optimism, there is the biggest... Look, the offensive line is going to be what it's going to be. The linebacker group is one where it could be good or they could just be abjectly awful. And that's that's kind of, there's no in between. I think the offensive line could maybe bad in pass protection, but they'll be pretty good going down here run blocking. This linebacker group's either going to step up to the challenge that's in front of it, which is a tall one, or they're going to crumble. And I, if they step up, this will be the best tech defensive unit of the last 20 years. This will be a tech defensive unit to legitimately fear. This will be a 30 or lower points per game defensive unit. If they crumble, it's going to be all hell breaks loose. People are going to run by tech. They're not going to throw the ball. You know, they're going to attack the weakness of this team. So, and I, I, I hate to do it, but it does live and die with Creshawn Merriweather. It's so much pressures on that kid. It, it, we're, we're demanding so much from him, but he's got a lot of experience on the belt, which is a good thing. He's played for some, from some, he's played under some phenomenal linebackers who've really shown him the ropes. I want to say I'm not just anxious about this. I am excited to see what this group's going to do, but I am anxious about it. And, you know, when we talk about defensive predictions, it's going to live and die with this unit. Um, here's an angle I want to talk about this, though. What does Tech's defense have to do to win games? You know, I mentioned like uh, keeping teams under 30. You know, keeping teams under like 500 yards per game, I, I for 320 yards per game, whatever whatever the number is. What do they actually have to do to win this year with what we know about the offense? What kind of defense would lead Tech back to a bowl game and beyond? So what Tim DeRuder has said multiple times is that this is going to be a defense that tries to generate turnovers. And we like that. I like that. Um and as an official spokesperson for this podcast, this podcast enjoys defensive turnovers. So I honestly think that to be successful in this defensive system, I think you have to get at least two turnovers a game or uh, force two turnovers a game in order to be successful. I think with this team and with if the offense has as much potential as we think it does, and again, we talked about it last week. This is all depending on our offensive line and what type of performance and injuries and stuff we get from that O-line. But I can say confidently that we want the ball in our offensive hand and our offensive hands as much as we can get. And so I think the more turnovers, the better, obviously it gives you more opportunities to score and in the end, we all know with football, you got to score more points than your opponent to win the game. So I think that I would like to see at least two turnovers a game from the defensive side, forcing two turnovers a game. Uh, you know, McGuire has the uh, has the outlook of take three, so he wants three a game. Uh, three a game would be great. You got to remember. Your, if your D-line and your secondary can hold it down, can force negative plays, uh, can force turnovers, then I think two, two would probably work, maybe, depending on how our offense is doing. Uh, certain games, you're going to need three. Uh, certain games, Murray State, you probably won't need any. But I would enjoy to see two, possibly three turnovers a game. I think that conference play, you're going to need probably three, um, especially if for some reason the offense can't get going. You're going to need three uh, to stay close in these games because you know you have to foresee that your offense is going to turn the ball over also. So I really would like to see a good amount of turnovers uh, forced by this defense. I'm going to say two per game. I know McGuire wants three. Um, I'm just going to uh, err on the more realistic side uh, and say two, at least two turnovers in every game forced by the defense. I think from my perspective that 
I hate being the guy to say this, but like takeaways are the most random stat. And I know take three is the heart and soul of McGuire's kind of defensive branding. And I get why, because if you do average three takeaways per game, you're winning almost every game you played in. Uh, And I think that if tech is able to generate even just two, you're winning a lot of games tech played in. But my problem with takeaways is because they're inherently so random, right? Like it's not most takeaways don't happen when you make a great play. They happen when the other team screws up, right? Like that's the vast majority of interceptions. Ill-advised throw, um, um, offensive lineman breaks down, miscommunication, um, receiver drops the ball. Fumbles are even more so random. You know, you very, very, very rare for somebody to just land that perfect hit that just decks the ball out of somebody. Most of the time, it's just a guy who should have held on the ball didn't. Um, now, with effort, hustle, an instinct for the ball, you're going to generate some takeaways. And I'm glad Tech is prioritizing that because that kind of coaching helps you know, get you one or two a game. Get the three, you're going to need some luck. I think if Tech does that, you would win a lot of games. But for me, the measure of success this year is sack total. If if you're averaging, I don't know, what's 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 get aggressive here? Let's say two two sack two and a half sacks per game. Let's let's get aggressive. Let's get crazy and say two and a half sacks per game. Throw in like a few more QB pressures. Tech is winning almost every game they play in, and. I don't know, you know, I'm not a huge stats guy off the top of my head. I don't know what the the best defenses do, but let's get nuts here and just say that this unit is as dominant as we think it is and that Tyree Wilson's getting one and somebody else is getting one every game. I think I would feel much better about Tech's chances. Do I think that's going to happen necessarily? Again, I have no frame of reference for what a normal series of sacks is, but let's just let's just go nuts here and say the biggest thing that Tech can do to succeed this year is get sacks. If, if they can get pressure, if they can force teams to get one-dimensional, they can pressure quarterbacks to, to challenge a better secondary, then you're going to force teams to really try to run the ball, and hopefully this linebacker core can hold up to it. You know, you're going to have to funnel people into them and pray for the best, because if you can get pressure, I think you're going to get picks. I think you're going to get stops. I think you're going to win games, and that that's where I'm looking at. I, I, I don't know if two and a half sacks is absolutely insane or not, but here's how I'd quantify it or here's how I'd qualify that. Just saying, if you're getting pressure home, tech will be fine. If you're not, it'll be like last year. I thought last year's defense biggest problem was the linebackers were fantastic, but since you couldn't get pressure, the secondary got eaten alive, who wasn't very good, and the linebackers kind of left in the dust, cleaning up the run game, but not being able to really impact much else. You know, I think that if you take care of business, rushing the passer, if you get aggressive, everything else falls into place, and you just got to hope the linebackers hold up. No guarantee they will, but there's a potential for them to do it. Uh, we're going to close out our defensive session. Now, like I said, this is a, actually a huge session for us. We were hoping to get Kendall and Reed in on these episodes as well. Unfortunately, Kendall's having technical difficulties and Reed is still working. So we're going to transition uh, here personally in our end to recording the next episode, which will be regarding NC State in Houston. But I hope you guys enjoyed this defensive recap. Please give the offensive league recap another listen if you want to. We talked about quarterbacks with a stop on the at the start of this. It'll be a good refresher on what we think about these quarterbacks. Um, and then give this a listen. Give us your thoughts on the defense. Give us your your craziest takes. Your you know your op- reasons to be optimistic, pessimistic, what have you. Feel free to tweet us at Hub City Homers at Homers Hub on the Hub City Homer account. You can tweet us at Viva the Matadors on the Viva account. Um, you can direct message us. You can really do any anything you want. Leave a comment on the website. Just let us know that you guys enjoyed the episode or not. And we'll try to keep producing content that you guys want to listen to. Um, like I said, you're, we've got a few more episodes to go before the season begins. You're going to get two this week, and you're going to get one next week to clean up our preseason content. Then after Murray State, we'll be full tilt and to recap preview. And we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Hopefully, hopefully, um, this defensive unit takes the step forward all Red Raider Nation is hoping for.